different parables uh, that Jesus told, these little stories which crop up so often in the Gospels and give us almost uh, like little explosions of God's truth, which still 2,000 years on have the ability uh, to challenge and shock and surprise us. And uh, we meet two characters uh, in this parable. We meet a Pharisee and a tax collector. Uh, now, um, I really enjoy watching films. It's one of the things I, I, I love doing, and I, I try not to do it too often. But I love watching films, and when I watch a film, I always want to find out who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, okay? I want to know who's my hero or heroine and who's my, who's my villain, and then I can root for the hero or heroine, and I can wait for the villain to get their comeuppance, okay? Now, this morning, I want us to have a little bit of a think. Who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Okay? And, I, and I, I've, got, I've got some, I've got some uh, in fact, there's two ways you can help me. Okay? There's two ways you can help me. First of all, scattered around the building, and I was hoping there might be some more children here, but scattered around the building, there are good guys and bad guys. Okay? There are good guys and bad guys scattered around the building. Okay? Now, I'm going I'm to give you a clue with the first one, okay? I'm going to give you a clue on the first one. Can anyone find a good guy or a bad guy as shown here? Can anyone find one? Excellent, excellent, brilliant, Phoebe, wonderful, wonderful, excellent. Thank you very much, wonderful, that's good, that's good. Okay, Paul, excellent, who have you got? Excellent, <laughs> right. We've got, oh, Hazel, way to go, way to go. <laughs> right, okay, brilliant. Okay, we, that's brilliant. Wonderful. Hey, could you just pause for a moment, otherwise that would, Do you want, you want to give it me or not? You hang on to it? Hang on, yeah, you hang on to it, mate. Okay, thank you very much. Can you just pause for one minute? Just pause for one minute. Can you just come up here, Phoebe? Just come up here, that's it. Can you hold those two things like that? Do they fit together? Do they fit together? Do they fit together? They do, don't they? Vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. This is our... Thank you very much. This is our first good guy and bad guy, okay? We've got Luke Skywalker, and we've got Darth Vader, okay? Now, Star Wars is a wonderful thing. The first three, awesome. The rest of them... Anyway, for, but they obviously weren't overly confident that we'd work it out, would they? So they put the good guys in white and the bad guys in black. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that awful? But anyway, anyway, you get Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Okay, good guys and bad guys. What about the redemption of Darth Vader? That's wonderful. See me afterwards. All right, lovely. Right, now. Okay, right. <laughs> okay, now. Okay, we've got another good guys and bad guys. Okay, good, good heroine and villain. Okay, heroin and villain. Have we got, okay, Isaac. Isaac, way to go, way to go, mate. Is it all right if I have it this time? Is it all right? Go on, you can do it, mate. Go on, yes! Excellent, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> Esther, just tell me, do they fit together? Excellent. Now, some people might not be able to read that, so can you read it for me? Maleficent. Maleficent, excellent. Thank you very much, thank you very much. Okay, so you've got, okay, you've got Sleeping Beauty. Pretty, yeah. Okay, and you've got Maleficent. Okay, not tricky to tell them apart, is it? Not tricky. Okay, right. 
Next one. Now then. Now then. Let's get a bit more esoteric here. Okay. Anyone got these two? Anyone got these two? No? No? Anyone got them? Anyone got them? Okay. Yes? No? Yes? No? You got one? Excellent. <laughs> Very good. So we got, we got this one. Oh, Esther, you're doing a sterling job. Excellent. Very good, very good, very good. Do they fit together? Okay, okay. So you've got Wonder Woman and, and Aries. Okay, there we are. Right, next ones. Okay, now then. Does anyone know who this one is? Good-looking guy in the top. Pretty good-looking guy at the bottom as well, to be honest. Right, okay. So we've got, who have we got? Oh, Mike and Gabby, wonderful, wonderful. Can you, do they, do they, do they, do they fit together? <laughs> I think this one's misunderstood. Do you? Sorry? <laughs> I think I had problems with his dad, didn't I? Right, yes. Right. So can you just say who, who, who they are? Eric Kilmonger. Excellent. And the, and the, and the good guy? Black Panther. Well. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, right. Brilliant. Okay, so you've got Black Panther and Eric Killmonger, although apparently Eric Killmonger is misunderstood and had a, had a bad relationship with his father. Just fathers in case you want to feel any more guilty about your shortcomings. Right, okay. Now then. Oh, now. Okay. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Right. Anyone got these? Anyone got these? Okay. Anyone got them? They're out there somewhere. Trust me. They are out there somewhere. They're out there in the nation. They're here in our church. Okay. Yes? No? Yes? No? Anyone got them? <laughs> okay. Oh! Oh! I've got them. <laughs> Sorry. Phoebe's brought them to me already. Beg your pardon. Okay, here, I've got them, I've got them, I've got them. Sorry, sorry, here they are. <laughs> here they are, right. Okay, so you've got, you've got Keir Starmer and you've got Richard Sunak or Liz Truss. Now, I'm not going to ask you to tell me, but I dare say most people sitting in church today think some of them are one and one. Yeah, it's almost too difficult to say, isn't it? Who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? Okay? Tricky, isn't it? Starting to get tricky. And it's all grey areas. Right. Now then. Oh, no. Sorry, 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 sorry. I've missed one out. There. Okay. Anyone tell me who these two are? Thank <laughs> you very much. Anyway, oh, you got one. Right, come, come up here, Phoebe. Come up here. Come up here. Do they fit together? Do they fit together? Excellent. Lovely. Thank you very much. Well done. Brilliant. Okay. So you've got Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. Okay. Good guys, bad guys. Anyway. You get the point I'm trying to make. Sometimes it's easy, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy to tell who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Sometimes it's not so easy to tell who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Okay. And so we come to our parable. So we come to our parable. And, and, and there are two, fine, but you can leave them there. They're on opposing pillars, okay? They're on opposing pillars. When we read the parable, 
because perhaps the church has been reading it for a long time, 2,000 years, we might immediately think, well, the Pharisee's the bad guy, and the tax collector is the good guy. But maybe if we stop and we think about it, it's not as simple as that. And it certainly wouldn't have been as simple as that for the people who first heard Jesus teach it. The Pharisee, let's have a think about him together. What does the Pharisee say about himself? He says that I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now if I, I'm not going to do this by the way, but if I were to ask everyone in church this morning, show of hands, who's fasted this last week? Who's had a day when they didn't eat in order to give themselves over uh, to prayer and the reading of Scripture? I'm not asking it, okay, because Jesus tells us very clearly that we shouldn't tell people when we fast, okay? But if I were to ask that question, I suspect not many hands would go up, okay? If I ask someone, who's done that twice this last week, I suspect even fewer hands would go up. He's fasting twice a week. He's giving a tenth of all that he gets. He tithes his income. He's going up to the temple to pray. He belongs to a group of people, this group of people, Pharisees, who loved the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. They loved them, and they read them, and they knew them, and they took the Hebrew Scriptures and they applied them to every part of their lives. Does that sound like a bad person? It isn't, is it? That's a really, really good person who is praying, who is fasting, who is tithing, who is reading the Scriptures, who's applying the Scriptures to their lives. And we know from elsewhere in the Gospels that the Pharisees actually believed in the resurrection. They had good doctrine. They believed the right things. So when Jesus tells a story about a Pharisee, the people who are listening are saying, there's a good bloke. There's a good bloke. And then if you think about the tax collector for a moment, he's not a good bloke. Tax collectors in Jesus' time were, by definition, people who worked for the Romans. And the Romans were a foreign, occupying, pagan army. And so if you worked for them, it's almost as if you wanted them to continue. You were cooperating with their presence. And as we know elsewhere in the Gospels, uh, tax collectors were often corrupt, took more than they should have done. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? When he comes to know Jesus, he says, if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I'm going to pay them back four times as much. So the tax collector is collaborating with the Romans, the foreigners, the pagans, the occupiers, and he's cheating people out of money. Suddenly, you get an insight and you say, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? The good guy is the Pharisee. The bad guy is the tax collector. And why does Jesus tell this parable? Because he then goes on and tells us what the good guy says. And unfortunately, what the good guy says brings the image crashing down. He says, God, I. 
and it's amazing that he actually mentions the word I four times. I thank you that I am not like other people. I fast twice a week and tithe all that I get. So God gets one mention, and he gets four mentions. And suddenly the prayer no longer sounds like a prayer. It sounds like an exercise in self-congratulation. I am a really good person. I am doing really well. And I am certainly better than other people. And I am certainly better than him. The tax collector, on the other hand, turns, or, or won't even turn to God, won't even lift his eyes to heaven and beats his breast, beats on his chest. And, 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 and apparently the, the Greek means he, he carries on doing that. He doesn't just do it once, he just he keeps going. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There we are. It's bound to happen, wasn't it? And the parable says, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? And Jesus says, look, the good guy here is the one who has prayed from the heart. The good guy is the one who realizes who he is. The good guy is the one who has asked for God's forgiveness. So the parable suddenly turns everything upside down. And although it might not sound shocking to us, to the first people that Jesus taught this parable to, it would have been deeply shocking. A tax collector? Someone who is dishonest? someone who works for the Romans, you're making this person a model and an example for us to follow? And the Pharisee, who fasts and tithes and reads the Scriptures and believes the right thing, he's an example of how we shouldn't go? And suddenly you get a picture of how, how revolutionary this little story is. And what Jesus is saying is what is on the outside is only half the story. And if you like, the smaller half. What matters is what is going on on the inside. And so this Pharisee, for all his outward good works, is not going to go home having met with God is not going to go home having found peace with God, who's not going to go home having been justified, made right with God. But the tax collector, the tax collector, the tax collector, he is. Because his heart is right. And I was thinking to myself, what, what do we do with that sort of explosive piece of God's truth. What do we do with that piece? I wanted to ask you a question. What is God looking for? What is God looking for from you? 
You know, when I look at other people, I, I, I often see people who, who seem to have their lives much better under control. And their gardens as well, okay? And, and, I, and I look at them and I think, you must be more together than me. You must be. And, and maybe they are. Don't get me wrong. Maybe they are. But I think we can all do that, can't we? We look and we compare ourselves to other people. Just like the Pharisee was comparing himself to other people. And God says to us gently but firmly, I am not bothered about other people. I am deeply bothered about you. And I am deeply bothered about your heart. I am deeply bothered about the way you relate to me. Is it honest and real and broken? Do you acknowledge your need of me? Do you come before me and ask for your forgiveness? First and foremost, this parable reminds us that God is not interested in houses and gardens and cars and, and things like that. Or even interested, even, even though these are good things, in how often we read the Bible or, or, or say our prayers. What he is interested in is our heart and whether our heart is right with him. That's the first thing that God looks for and that he's interested. And of course, when we come to that point and we realize our need of God's forgiveness, like the tax collector does, then we have an amazing opportunity to meet one another. To meet one another in a place of complete humility and complete vulnerability. Because we are all in need of God's forgiveness. So we cannot look down on one another. We cannot have those attitudes towards one another, which the Pharisee has. I thank you that I am not like this. Because we are all called to be like the tax collector. Humble before God, real and honest. So it's about the way we relate to him, and then it's about the way we relate to one another. And I think that's really important. Because the way we relate to one another will show to the world the way in which we relate to God. For, for, forgive me for, for telling stories about, uh, uh, about sort of experiences I've had. They're no more or less important than anybody else's experiences. And, and, and maybe later we'll hear from other people as well. But... but Forgive me, just when I was at theological college, you know, sort of 30 years ago, there were some wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, students there. And it was, it was a real honor and a privilege to be with them. And, and some of them were women students. And this was before women had been ordained. Okay? So we're both training. And at the end, I knew I was going to be ordained. And they weren't sure whether they were going to be ordained. And under the surface, there was always this sense of, you're going to go forward and we might go forward. Some people in the college thought that the ordination of women was a good idea. And some people in the college thought the ordination of women was a bad idea. And the women students all knew who was who. 
the two women students I'm particularly thinking of could be quite critical of many of those who oppose the ordination of women, apart from one bloke. And they used to say, if everybody was like him, we'd be fine. Because this man, okay, whose name was Martin, Martin was very clear, if you asked him, what his views were. Very clear. But he was incredibly gentle and humble and respectful and kind. And the way he spoke about his views and the way he spoke to women was incredibly gracious and compassionate and friendly. And they said, well, we could cope with this if everyone was like him. He, he had within him the ability to say, well, look, this is what I believe, but, but I love and honor and respect you. And because of that, you could have the conversation. You could carry on. You could disagree. And it was okay. And do you know what? The church has always disagreed. Before the ordination of women, if you go back a bit further, there was a big hoo-ha about whether people could, who'd been divorced could get married in church. And at the time, that felt like a really big deal. If you go back a little bit further, you'll find that Christians had a big argument about whether they could uh, use birth control or not. If you go back a little bit further again, you'll find that Christians had a big argument about whether they could have slaves or not. If you go back a bit further, you'll find that Christians had a big argument about whether everyone could read the Bible or not. If you go back a bit further, you'll find out Christians had a big argument about whether the Pope was infallible or not. If you go right the way back to the New Testament, you'll find that Christians had a big argument about whether when Gentiles became Christians, that they had to become Jews. And they had a big argument about it. Christians have always argued. But when they realize that we are all sinners, that we are all at the foot of the cross, that we are all like the tax collector, then you can have those conversations gently and humbly and lovingly. The church, a bit like our wider society, is currently wrestling, isn't it, with issues about gender and sexuality, marriage, relationships. It's all up in the air, and we don't quite know which way to go. It feels like a really big deal. And please don't misunderstand me, the issues involved are really important. Just like the issues for the ordination of women were important, or the divorce of, or the marriage of people who've been divorced were important, or birth control was important, or slavery was important, or reading the Bible, or the Pope, or all the things we've talked about, they were important. This is important. But what is more important is that we stay like the tax collector. Because if we are like the tax collector, we will love one another. And if we love one another, we can have the conversation. And God will lead us through it. If we step for a moment towards the Pharisee, we are in deep trouble. And we start saying to one another, we are not like you. We are all like the tax collector. 
And praise God, he reaches out to that person, that person, and says, you are forgiven. You are loved. You are made whole. When we all hear that voice, we can love one another. And God will lead us. He will lead us forward. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. We're going to sing a beautiful, beautiful traditional hymn. We're going to sing.